You're listening to Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. The Standing Rock Sioux Tribe has been protesting the Dakota Access Pipeline and litigating against it for years, saying the project threatens their water supply and religious rights. But since the beginning of his administration, President Trump has pledged to get rid of the red tape he calls federal regulations backing major oil pipeline projects. We've begun the most far-reaching regulatory reform in American history. We've approved long-stalled projects like the Keystone XL and the Dakota Access Pipelines. But those pipelines are stalled once again, and another major pipeline project is over. This week, environmentalists are celebrating a trifecta of victories blocking major oil pipelines as a court ordered the Dakota Access Pipeline to shut down pending an environmental review. The Supreme Court refused to reinstate streamlined permitting for the Keystone XL Pipeline, and developers of the Atlantic Coast Pipeline just called it quits. Joining me is Pat Parento, a professor of environmental law at the Vermont Law School. Pat, this is the first time that a judge has ordered a major oil and gas pipeline to shut down. I think it was surprising that Judge Boasberg, who is known as a judge who's sympathetic to environmental issues, but who, you know, is not a sure thing when it comes to rulings. He has issued 10 different opinions in this Dakota Access Pipeline case. Most of them went in favor either of the government or the pipeline company, and so it was a big surprise that he took into account the disruptive effect of stopping the oil flowing through the pipeline while an environmental impact statement is done, which will take by the Corps' estimate 13 months or more. But he said, you know, I really don't think I have a choice. I warned the Corps that they were proceeding in haste and not taking into account the threats to the water supply of the Standing Rock tribe and others, where the pipeline was going to go under the Missouri River and under Lake Oahe, and that's the source of drinking water for the tribe, and it's very close to the reservation. So even though he had told the Corps exactly what they needed to do to fix the problems with their analysis, they didn't do it. Maybe because they're under the orders of the president to get this thing done and approved and over with, we don't know. But the point is, the judge says, you didn't really leave me any option other than to just allow you to continue to thumb your nose at the law, other than to shut you down. So that's what I've done. So now, at the same time, the Supreme Court has agreed to reinstate a fast-track water permitting program for pipelines across the country, except for the Keystone XL. Yes, that's right. The Center for Biological Diversity and some tribes and some other environmental groups had sued challenging the construction of Keystone under this nationwide permit, number 12. Judge Morris in Montana concluded that the nationwide permit that the Corps of Engineers uses to authorize pipeline construction was illegal. And it was illegal because the Corps didn't consult with the Fish and Wildlife Service under the Endangered Species Act because, of course, all of these pipelines across the country, there are thousands of miles of them, they do from time to time encounter endangered species habitat. And so Judge Morris said, your permit's illegal. But he went further and said, because the nationwide permit itself is illegal, all of the construction that's relying on it should stop. And that's what the Supreme Court said. No, we're not going to enjoin all pipeline construction across the country, but the injunction against Keystone will stand for now. And 
for the trifecta here, and we talked about this case when it came before the Supreme Court. The Atlantic Coast Pipeline had just won a Supreme Court victory, but its developers are pulling the plug on it. Yes, I mean, the cost of the pipeline are skyrocketing. The original estimate was something like $5 billion. It's now $8 billion. There are still three other injunctions against the Atlantic Coast Pipeline pending in the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. So, yeah, so the developer finally just threw in the towel and said, we just can't absorb um, these escalating costs. And, of course, at the same time, there's a glut of gas on the market. And with the unknown consequences of the coronavirus pandemic and and its economic fallout, it's not clear when, you know, that market demand is going to rebound. So the backers of this project, the financiers of this project are are concluding it's just too big a risk and it just isn't as profitable as it once looked. And it's a real interesting point here that you mentioned, the trifecta, with these three huge decisions affecting major pipelines uh, coming within days almost of of each other, and all of them related to legal problems that, frankly, are a result of the Trump administration's determination to ramrod these projects through the law, and the federal courts are stopping them left and right. Market forces are contributing to it, but the legal vulnerabilities of these projects is a big reason why they're collapsing. Is it because the environmentalists who've been bringing these actions have been smart about where to bring them, have used a specific strategy, or is it just that the Trump administration hasn't been following the law? It's both. I mean, clearly the courts are finding in case after case that the administration is not following the law. And again, these laws, like the National Environmental Policy Act, have been on the books for 50 years. Um, So it's not anything new that the courts are coming up with. They're simply saying the law is really clear here, and you're simply not following it. Um, And in part because you're getting a direction from the White House uh, to accelerate these energy projects, um, damn the torpedoes and damn the law uh, kind of process. And um, that's really the major reason. The environmental groups have been smart in picking their targets and making their arguments. But frankly, I think the Trump administration is losing these cases more than the environmentalists are winning them. There was always this idea, not in law, but this idea that courts would never shut down pipelines that were in service. Now that we have this decision, will it fuel litigation against existing pipelines? I don't think so. I I think the environmentalists here have been smart and strategic in going after, for the most part, these major uh, projects. I mean, Keystone, again, is importing some of the dirtiest fuel on the planet from the Bakken uh, crude oil sources in Canada. Um, And so the targets so far, I think, have been chosen because they do represent a major investment in fossil fuel infrastructure that's, of course, driving the climate crisis, Um, more so than just suing on every single pipeline everywhere. I mean, there are, you know, a lot of pipelines in service that are not being sued against. Uh, The Enbridge line number three is another big one coming down out of Canada and through the upper Midwest, and that's very much in litigation. But I, I'm not seeing 
that, you know, environmental groups or local groups are suing every single pipeline in the country. That's, that doesn't seem to be happening. What is it with the Army Corps of Engineers? Have they always been so, it seems, slipshod in the way they perform these environmental reviews? No. In fact, the Corps of Engineers has a pretty good track record defending their permit decisions uh, before the Trump administration. Uh, not to say they have, haven't lost. They, they, they do occasionally lose these cases, but nothing like what we're seeing uh, now. Um, and, I, and I don't think the, the professional staff of the Corps of Engineers is, is the problem. I, I think it's the political appointees above them. Um, remember that the Corps of Engineers is part of the Department of Defense and the Department of the Army. And so by the time you get way down into the rank and file career people in the Corps of Engineers, they're being directed what to do. It is very much a hierarchical military style organization, the Corps of Engineers. So when they get directions from above, even if they don't like them, they'll follow them. Um, And in these cases, they're following them right into an injunction. With the Dakota Access Pipeline, I recall, I'm sure most listeners recall, that there were protests that went on for months at the site, you know, supporting the American Indian tribes and even support from celebrities. And this is also being looked at as not just an environmental justice win, but a social justice win. Yes, that's true. Yes. I mean, you know, you're talking about, you know, Indian reservations, the Sioux tribes in in the Dakotas uh, with some of the highest unemployment rates in the country, the worst public health services in the country. They're suffering disproportionately from the coronavirus pandemic, as well as many other environmental impacts. And, um, you know, so there's, we're watching the, the res- result of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, but it's now beginning to incorporate uh, the, the rights of indigenous people and the, and the problems that they're suffering. So the Dakota Access Pipeline has m- more to do with the direct impacts on their water supply. And the, and the judge, you know, basically said, your analysis of what would happen if there was a spill from this pipeline, and of course pipelines do spill frequently, um, your ability to detect that spill, to correct it, to stop it, to protect that water supply, it, your analysis just is too weak. And it's been criticized by a number of experts uh, once you put it out for public comment, and yet you didn't respond to the criticisms you got. All of that is systematic with regard to the way facilities are cited in minority communities, including tribal uh, communities, and their, their rights, both their sovereign rights, in some of the cases these reservations have the rights of a, of a sovereign, uh, are not being respected. They're not being consulted in the way they should be, and so forth. So, Dakota Access Pipeline has all kinds of elements. It's got climate change. It's got environmental justice. It's got legal compliance with the National Environmental Policy Act issues. It's got a whole mix of things going on. Are there any other pipeline projects around the country that have social justice issues that you can name, or or are you just talking in general? I think Enbridge Line Number 3, as it's called, that's up in Minnesota, uh, is being opposed by... Um, tribal interests 
because it's crossing reservation lands. It's affecting some of their wetlands and streams that, that are part of their, their natural resource base for some of these communities, fisheries, and so forth. So that, that's one that certainly combines uh, a, a number of these environmental justice issues. The, the Atlantic Coast Pipeline did as well because they were going to put a compressor station for the pipeline in a black community uh, in Virginia. And now that that pipeline has been scrapped, of course, that compressor station won't be built. But that was another element of the fight over the Atlantic Coast Pipeline. Thanks for being on the Bloomberg Law Show, Pat, as always. That's Pat Parento, a professor at the Vermont Law School. And that's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. Remember, you can always get the latest legal news on our Bloomberg Law podcast. You can find them on iTunes, SoundCloud, or at Bloomberg.com slash podcast slash law. I'm June Grosso. Thanks for listening. And remember to tune into the Bloomberg Law Show every weeknight at 10 p.m. Eastern right here on Bloomberg Radio. Bloomberg Radio.